Welcome to the Center of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Go Browns. That's right. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Back above 500. Let's go. We're a winning organization right now. I just noticed both of you guys wearing your podcast shirts. I feel kind of out of the loop. You guys are matching. It's really cute. Thank you. <laughs> so the Browns pulled it out on Thursday Night Football. Uh, it's been a couple days since the game. We had a couple... Michael rewatched it a couple of times. I just watched it, um, but the Browns pulled it out, seventeen to fourteen, above five hundred. We are four and three in a game where it seems like we really dominated the game, even though the end final result doesn't show it. Uh, we had three hundred seventy-six total yards to Denver's two twenty-three. To Ernest Johnson in his pop-off performance um, is the talk of the league right now. Number one running back, uh, barring the rest of Alvin Kamara's performance in this Monday night game. Um, but overall, we did what needed to be done with a lot of players out, a lot of injuries. We won won the game. I mean, and, this was a week where basically we just needed to win. I mean, we did. A short week, lots of injuries, lots of things stacked against us. Decent team coming off a really disappointing performance. And it was literally a situation where I was like, I really don't care what it looks like as long as we win the game and we move on to the next week. I'm going to be perfectly content. And honestly, the eye test was much better than that. Like, you just watched the game and we honestly performed fairly well. It was clear that um, the team was prepared and they came out and they executed super well. Like, across the board on both sides of the ball, I'm pretty happy with the, the outcome. I really don't think the Broncos are that good. I don't, I, yeah, I was going to push back. <laughs> the Broncos might be like a bottom eight team in the league. Um, they've beat really terrible teams and they've now lost four straight games but we also Uh, dominated the game like i like i i do get that we only lost by three according to the scoreboard but when you look at the game we really controlled things from start to finish what we we knelt the ball down at like the 10 yard line to to end the game so we were in scoring position there was another of uh, other drives that we we moved the ball pretty much at will we had scoring drives end on penalties and I think that's the biggest negative in this game is is the penalties. But um, with backup tackles, it was huge to have Jedrick Wills back and mm-hmm. just have just even that little bit of stability on the outside where you can kind of focus on the other other side of the line. Um, I don't think it's possible to overstate how valuable that was to have Jedrick Wills back. So valuable. Yep. Uh, yep. Um, so that's an interesting question. Uh, having Jedrick Wills back, then we also had um, Jarvis Landry back. Um, of our absences and of the people we had back in this week, who like who do you think is the most important piece um, to have playing on a week-to-week basis on this team? Um, our offensive line? I think it has to be, right? That's our identity, is like to control the line of scrimmage on offense, be able to run the ball, and you know have a play action based you know passing game it's hard to disagree with the offensive line being stabilized i will say i think i'm now in team jarvis versus team odell if we're picking between the two i think i see the value of keeping jarvis versus odell now um i feel like we do different things on offense with jarvis that i don't I don't understand why we don't do them with other players on our roster when Jarvis isn't there. Like something right. like the pre-snap motion stuff. I mean, we had a ton of Demetric felt like pre-snap motion, like running out and Jarvis would get in on that too. And it just doesn't, 
I don't know why we're not calling that. It doesn't feel exclusive to Jarvis, but it, in practice, it has been. And the reliability with contested catches, with the comfort level with just throwing to him over the middle Dude, that we just don't have on yeah. other with any of our other receivers, to be honest. Like... Those plays when you just need to move the sticks and it's not like a super like impressive play necessarily by Jarvis, but it's reliable and the reliability is just so valuable Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to do it's kind of a tough time to be like dogging on Oda Beckham because I like honestly want to praise the guy for gutting it out. He's super hurt. He's gutting it out. Like if you listen to Stefanski talk about it. I want Mark to talk about Odell's injury. I can talk about Odell's injury because uh, if if you are a devoted fan of this podcast, thank you very much for listening for uh, over a calendar year. But week four last year, we went to Dallas and I suffered the same injury that Odell Beckham Jr. is suffering from. A type three. In a similar fashion. In a similar diving fashion. Diving to catch yeah. a football. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to be on concrete and he was wearing shoulder pads and on grass. Um, kind of evens out probably. Um, but I cannot tell you how painful that injury is. The That day, whenever we were going to the airport and I had to lift my hands above my head to go through security, couldn't do it. They had to pat me down. Um, and... The idea of playing a football game, diving to catch a ball, catching Four a ball above later. my head, like I can't even comprehend what that looks like. It took me four months to begin to think about playing a sport again where I could like play spike and you ball were, or like, something that I do. actively going to physical therapy. I was going to physical therapy three times a week. I was doing all my stretches. I was doing everything I possibly could. I, I, that is absurd. That that there guy were, is a trooper. There were moments in this game, like when he dove to try to catch a pass on the sideline and landed on his shoulder. And as the end of the first half, I didn't yeah. know if we'd see him the rest of the game. Oh my! Shouldn't gosh. have. Shouldn't yeah. have. That guy's got to take care of himself. Well, and but I mean, respect to Odell. We needed him. Yeah. Like we were down with DPJ getting hurt in warmups and not playing. We would have been down to three wide receivers in this game. Oh, and would have just had to run through the game with three. No, I really. Seasons. So I say that, like I'm on. I lean towards Jarvis as a more valuable member of this team going forward than Odell Beckham. But that's not meant to be a slight on Odell Beckham. Yeah. I just re- have realized in the last couple weeks, particularly in that Chargers game when we like needed to make some plays in the last minute, like having a Jarvis Landry to like rely on over the middle for short yardage passing situations is incredibly valuable. And there's just not another player on our team that we can count on in those kind of situations. Well, I think it's, I, I think it's undeniable. We're better. We both are, both are on the field. If, if we have to make a false choice, we can, we can argue about that. It's just yeah. great to have both of them out there because they have such different skill sets and bring such different things to the table. And I think a lot of the reason why, Jarvis is able to do a lot of that stuff is because he's not the number one option. I mean, you look look at him in that like early Browns years and even back to Miami. I mean, he's just volume based kind of receiver. Oh, it's absolutely what he is. It's much more valuable to this team. I think than some of those earlier teams in his career. What, what, what Jarvis is, is not only what he can produce in the field, which is significant, but it's also like the intangibles. Like, he is an absolute leader. Like, I think as far as the, like, work ethic of the team, how the team is positioned, we it would be a bigger loss to lose Jarvis Landry than Odell. Um, 
And uh, so you could, you could say that it's like a false dichotomy to have to lose one of them, but we are paying the two of them more than most teams pay their entire wide receiver group. Like, is it sustainable? I, I don't know. It could be. I mean, we're a pretty good team right now, but it is not, it's not normal, especially for a team that our passing game is not what we do. It's not rolling. <laughs> like that's not, yeah. that's not the heart and soul of our team. So it's, it's interesting. And I, I don't know if we will continue. Um, but it was so good to have Jarvis back. I know that he probably had limited snap count. There was a section there in the second half where I was worried that he got hurt because I hadn't seen him in a really long time. Um, and he did get banged up a little bit like during the game, but it wasn't a that's what Jarvis does. A big deal, but yeah, <laughs> he's, he's taking the mantle from Duke Johnson of yeah. like peeling himself off exactly. the field Every and struggling play. to the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody oh. has to do it. Oh yeah. Keep the people going. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, the the performances in this game. Um, Dernish Johnson, 22 carries, 146 yards. Oh, did he have a good game? 6.6 average and a touchdown. Is it is it crazy that Dernish had a good game, but I'm not surprised? No. Like, like I, I felt very confident coming into this game with him. If, if our offensive line could, could get pushed and was healthy enough, I felt very good about what he was going to do. And quite frankly, it's been a little bit surprising to me, especially that Arizona game two weeks ago, that yes. we didn't see any more Durnest. And like, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but Kareem Hunt carried a lot of load in that game and then came up limp in the fourth quarter with a pulled calf. Like, I, I have to wonder what things would be like if we kind of split the load a little bit and – put Darnest in there. It would have been a much better situation. I said that before the yeah. Cardinals game started that I thought that like it makes so much more sense to give Darnest Johnson a good chunk of Nick Chubb's carries. I still think that Kareem Hunt should probably lead the team in carries in that situation, but for him to take a lion's share of the load and just like yeah, you hardly see Darnest Johnson makes no sense. But Darnest is good. Like, Ernest is good. He, no, he'd be a starting running back for a lot of teams in this league. And he has more of the Nick Chubb skill set than the Kareem Hunt skill set. Like he can catch the ball, definitely. Like he's good catching the ball out of the backfield, but he has an incredible vision. He has really good you lateral. Mean, he, doesn't, he doesn't run just with utter disregard for his own health and safety. <laughs> that's correct. He's not turning <laughs> that's in the, like that's the Kareem Hunt skill set as far as I can like condense it. His just utter disregard for life and limb. Good, athletic, then also just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About play next week. Oh, man. No, it was super fun to see him have his moment in the spotlight. Like, even just hearing him talk prior to the week, you could tell how excited he was oh to get his chance to, like, actually, like, perform. And then to go out and... Do it like that in a and regular honestly, season NFL game. And honestly, like him. the stat line is great, but even the situations in which he delivered were phenomenal. I mean, he did score that first touchdown right off the bat, but then he literally won the game for us on that last drive. We got the ball with five minutes to go, and we literally rode to Ernest Johnson to first down after first down after first down, and he just closed the game out. It's easy. It it was absolutely amazing. I mean, like it was, it was, it was awesome. I was so happy for him. Yeah, I, and I felt the same way going into the game, as I wasn't worried about Darius Johnson, and that's an incredible thing to have. Yeah. Three, three running backs that we feel like all can perform at a top, top tier level. Well, and he's he's a really solid special teams contributor for us as well. He's important, even if he's not 
taking taking carries. But I think going forward, if we have all three running backs back healthy, we have to find ways to to utilize all three of them because. They're keeping there's, fresh there's, running. I mean, keeping but, fresh running backs. But keeping fresh running backs is so valuable. Like it's, it's like the secret weapon for the Browns. Owners, but yeah. because like when the fourth quarter comes around and that defense has been on the field for longer than they're used to, which is exactly what happened in this Broncos game. Like you can just drive it down their freaking throat. Yeah. And if you've got fresh legs running the ball, like it's so hard to play against. Yeah. No, it's true. But it is hard to get three running backs consistent touches i mean we do I'm run not, the ball I'm not talking because it like Dernish johnson could get two to four carries a game yeah and that could be impactful you know especially if you have him and kareem on the field and then you like motion kareem out or use kareem to to get a a, a defensive look in a matchup in a light box um i think that you've got to find a way to to utilize that little aspect even if it's just for a slight advantage um, yeah. And keeping everybody fresh is going to be awesome. Um, all right. So the other main difference in this game is our quarterback, Baker Mayfield, was out um, with his um, torn labrum um, and his fractured... A, a, a fractured humerus. Humerus, yeah. Humerus bone. Both of those things. Which I, uh, I the first time I saw it tweeted, I thought somebody was like making a joke that he like broke his funny bone or something. Yeah, no. But but, I was like, no, that's actually a real thing. Yeah, his humerus. Humerus. Exists the upper upper bone in your arm. You um, didn't know that was a bone. I, I'm not a science major. Uh, yeah, um, fractured humerus. So Me there was either. we we all, we had Case Keenum in there, um, and Jedrick Wills said not a big drop off. People are jumping all over him for that. <laughs> that he's throwing shade at Baker Mayfield. Uh, but let's let's talk hey, about that. What hey, is the? Hey, is it, why does it always have to be shade? Why can't it just be like an uplifting comment about Case Keenum? That's what it was for yeah. sure. Um, but that's poor, poor Jed. Like, yeah, what's poor Jed to say. <laughs> yeah, he's such a sweet soul. Yeah. Um, but what was from you guys watching the game? Like, what was the major difference that you saw between the Case Keenum led Browns and the Baker Mayfield led Browns? So Ke- Keenum did everything that we could really hope that Case Keenum, at this point in his career as a backup, would would come in and do. I mean, he was he was intelligent with the ball. He knows the offense. He distributed the ball out. Case Keenum has a noodle arm. Case Keenum might not have a humerus. That, right? Like that roll like, that rollout to the left where he tried to throw deep that looked like it was an interception, but the defender didn't have the, his the, feet the in. Justin Simmons kind of came up. Odell had his guy beat and they were beyond the safety. And he and threw it ten was, yards shorter than it needed to yes, be. Yes. Yes. That needs to be back pylon touchdown. And it almost got picked at the five yard line. Yeah. Like Case Keenum just doesn't have the arm to push it downfield. I mean, even the most famous Case Keenum play of all time, the the <laughs> Minneapolis Miracle or whatever, was underthrown. Nick, was was an underthrown ball that the defender just very poorly played, and Stefan Diggs made a great play on it. Case Keenum's not stretching the field. Um, we can win football games with Case Keenum if if he needs to to play. He's he's not an upgrade over Baker. Baker does fluctuate up and down, but like he's we're, certainly not we're in a better place with Baker playing football when he's when he's healthy. If if Baker needs to sit this week against Steelers, Case Keenum can beat the Steelers. This Browns team can beat the Steelers with Case Keenum. Yep, we are absolutely. not going to win the Super Bowl with Case Keenum. We we need good Baker Mayfield to win the Super Bowl. Well, there's a handful of things that stick out to me. Go ahead um, about Case Keenum. 
The first one is what you mentioned. No arm. He doesn't have the arm to throw deep. There are some things that you see from Case Keenan being in the NFL for a very long time relative to Baker Mayfield that I would love to see from Baker Mayfield a little bit more. When I watched it today, I did kind of have an eye on, like, what's different about Case Keenan? Like, when I was watching it live, I wasn't thinking about this as, like, definitively. But when I rewatched, I was like, what's different about Case versus Baker? Keenum has a much better pocket awareness and internal clock than Baker does. We talk about all the time how Baker tries to do a little too much, tries to extend plays. Keenum had about three, four, five maybe plays where a defender was closing in and he got the ball off at the last second where I could see a situation where Baker either just folds and takes the sack or tries to avoid it and ends up getting sacked, tries to roll out and do something, whereas Case is holding in there, moving just slightly in the pocket, buying himself just enough time to get the ball to dump off to Dernis Johnson or whoever it might be. That happened on a handful of plays and definitely stuck out to me. That's one thing. Another thing that he did is he had – it was really only one ball. Do you remember it was kind of a short – crossing route to Njoku and he like tossed a really soft one like over a defender and there was a couple guys on Njoku and he like laid it right in the perfect spot that like Kirk Cousins special it was that like like, touch throw that you never see Baker throw like Baker's got one speed with his ball like Baker like fires it like at the same exact like speed every single time and it's fast it's very fast um, and I, I think that's fine in general, but there's sometimes on even like not necessarily a short one like that. That was kind of a mid range. That was a throw. unique case throw. There's some mid range and even some deep balls where I wish Baker didn't fire it on such a line and would give it guys needs, needs a, a chance to run more underneath of that, like it. Russell Wilson moon ball. Yeah, a little more touch. Throw it that hard. Just throw it up Just in the air. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like a little more touch on uh, you know some different throws throughout the field like it, it really stuck out watching Keenum the second time through that there was a little more variety on the velocity of the ball coming out of his uh, off of his hand um but man it's just nice to have a quarterback a backup that you can like feel solid about like to have a guy in there you can trust to go execute the offense i really do feel like Stefanski did him a lot of favors We've been talking about how Baker hasn't been rolling out. There hasn't been a bunch of bootlegs. Like I think we talked about that just last week. Mm-hmm. Keenum had a handful of them in this in this particular game. Well, and that'll be interesting to me watch to watch going forward. Does does that kind of infiltrate the offense going forward? Um, something that's been apparent, like even this entire year in the NFL, is that like. Teams that have been like really heavy play action in years past haven't been. You, I mean, the the Titans, us, a lot of the like Shanahan tree have have not been running like traditional like play action like they have um, play action rollouts specifically, largely because the defensive end is just like crashing down is just going to wreck it, and that's mm-hmm. what defenses have been doing. Um, so I think that's been a net negative for Baker because he was so good in that um, early last season and down the stretch last season. I think it's Um, part of why our screen game has been so good though. Our screen game is so good and it's so fun to watch. And I I think part of the reason why our screen game is good is because Baker rockets him in like screen game is all about timing. And it's all like if, if you, 
just throw up a, a floater. And like we know Baker is a mess. fantastic actor from both the progressive commercials and his ball fakes. Exactly. And he he does a good job on the timing of that. Yeah. Is yeah, it's a it all it, rolls into the it, same it, thing. It, it brings up though, like Case Keenum is not as far as like whether Case Keenum or Baker is an upgrade at quarterback. Case Keenum's not what this Browns offense needs from a quarterback. Like we our identity is running the ball. Our identity is the play action. Our identity is managing the clock. And then we pick our shots and we throw the ball deep down the field. Which, which That's we what we have, want it to be. We've been we terrible at that this year. But we but haven't that, been able but to hit it. That, yes. In an idea. For that's sure. Like that, the... is, that is what Baker's role is on the offense as our quarterback. And Case Keenum cannot that's provide that. That's what success that. should look like. Yes. That is what success looks like. And that's what. We've seen happen the sometimes. The optimal version of this offense looks like that. Yes. Um, and Case Keenum can't can't provide that. And Baker Mayfield can't. In an ideal world. He absolutely can't. Yeah. No. Um, um, it'll be and- interesting to me to see if um, Baker having the opportunity to sit on the sidelines, hear the play calls, process from that angle, see what Keenum does with a play and a look and a defense, if that – that's an interesting is, point. Is a is a good like learning opportunity. Does where it's Baker like, benefit if, from sitting on the sideline for a week or two, for a minute. watching Keenum operate in the exact same offense? Yeah, and it's like, oh, I might not have actually taken that look, or my first thought would have been this, but but you got that. Like, he's basically started since no, he hasn't. Week, he, week he hasn't three, missed a game. He hasn't missed know? a game, and he hasn't he missed started. a game. Like it's it's been what he sees and what other people are telling him to see, and he doesn't get the opportunity to see somebody else with the of, exception of like, preseason games do, but do that's not else. the same situation um, so it'll be i i think that could be a potential like net positive out of this whole thing is baker gets healthy is the opportunity to just kind of see the game from a different angle yeah that's a really good point and through somebody else's eyes who's kind of been there and done it and maybe is physically limited but <laughs> can know the game and talk about it you could just see the pent-up energy in Baker Mayfield on the sideline as he's like roaming back, just like Dude. bolting down the sidelines, like talking to everybody. Like, like, is it he actually, matter. it is didn't he matter that he in... wasn't playing. He still took his pre-workout. Yeah. Like everything. <laughs> jiving. Is he taking advantage of that opportunity or is he still just full tilt all ahead? Like I got to get everybody, get everybody going. So in, in, at just the right time, when we are moving into our divisional play uh, with Pittsburgh next week, um, we have Nick Chubb um, and Conklin both practiced today on Monday for the first time in a while. And so that is huge. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> Can I make a few comments about the game? Are we moving yeah, on from no, the game? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, host, are you okay? Uh, I'm are you, okay. you going to survive? Aspirate some spit there. But... Yeah. <laughs> I put a little uh, extra work in to preparing for this podcast, so I want to make sure I get all my commentary in. Um, one thing that stuck out to me is Chase McLaughlin. We had a we had a field goal blocked at the end of the first half, I think it was, and it was entirely Andrew Billings' fault. And there's not a positive thing I can say about Andrew Billings all season. How are how are you as big and as strong as Andrew Billings is supposed and- to be? Supposedly is. There's Texas like high school records that prove that he's big and strong, but I guess maybe he just hasn't developed since. And he just got blasted off the line of scrimmage on that particular play. Oh Anyways, it was entirely his fault. But the miss made me think about the fact that, like, huh, 
has Chase McLaughlin missed a field goal all season? He hasn't. And the answer was no. Like, that was the right. first missed field goal that he's had all season. So I just looked up the stats today. He's 10 of 11, which is quite good. Um, I mean, that's the only one that he's missed, and it wasn't his fault. And then on extra points, he's perfect. He's one of 12 kickers in the NFL that's perfect on their extra points. He's made 17 of 17 extra points. I don't think we could ask for anything else from our we, kicker. We couldn't ask for anything else, and I'll, I'll use our father as an example. Uh, when he inevitably misses an extra point, it'll be, oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. And I feel like that's how most Browns fans are going to be. It's going to be a, here we go. This is what we were expecting. Oh, man. No, I could, I mean, super impressed with his performance thus far. He's obviously made some tough ones. The one that he made in this game, I was surprised that he even went for it. There was so much wind. So much it wind. was a 52-yarder, yard. yeah. and he crushed it. On the well, tough end of yeah. the First Energy Stadium. I mean, I am so impressed with him. I'm glad he's getting all the reps. I'm well, glad there's not, like, competition. Well, Somebody breathing kicks, down his neck. And the kicks look good. Like, like they're, he's, he's making them confidently, and they're flying through, and he's striking them clean. Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite of the Greg Joseph era, you know, yeah. where they were technically going through the uprights, but... <laughs> Yeah, you never felt good about yeah, was, watching. They were Greg moving with walk up. in different directions yeah. each time. Yeah. Um, so I'm I couldn't be more thrilled with with Chase McLaughlin, and he's got a leg, which is great. Like when we need a 50 plus yard field goal, or when it yeah. makes sense to attempt one. Yep, you you feel decent about sending him out there. And yeah, he's hit a 57 um, yarder already on the year. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's great. He's a plus performance by yeah. Chase McLaughlin so far. All right, we're talking about other things of note in uh, in the game we got to talk about we haven't mentioned this as the, much as we should on the podcast the defense the defense <laughs> miles garrett lead is the in leading the league in sacks with nine and a half um two full sacks ahead of everyone it's because he's so good it's just what we expect we like the the like over under every week is a like one sack per game and he's exceeding it thus far so it, it is noteworthy there's no doubt it is noteworthy we gotta talk about it thank you miles uh and also our, our defensive line in general Jadavian Clowney has been everything that we've expected and not hoped for hoped for and not what people have said he was going to be uh as He's been really good. He he knifes into the backfield every time, and we're able to like contain to a degree that I don't think we've been able to do in years. He's a clown. Is the perfect compliment to Garrett. Garrett's like the like is a very traditional like edge rusher. He's gonna have like the he's got his power move. He's got his speed move. He's got his counter move. Right. Clowney just creates chaos on the other side, which requires attention. Like so often the pocket gets pushed towards Miles Garrett because Clowney is just doing wild man shit. And it's a really good just, point. Just disrupting everything and sending it Garrett's way. It's a really good which point. Like I certainly has complimented the pass protection on the left side. I would assume that that has definitely played a positive role in Miles Garrett's sack numbers so far. Absolutely. And I mean, even in this game, the one and a half sacks that he had, Garrett, I think... Was, was credited with a half. He was but credited was, with a half. It looked but like more Clowney on the... Uh, I think Garrett thinks he actually took took him down on that one. And Clown, it, Clowney created Garrett the pressure, was like but Garrett pulled him down. on the back, yeah. um, But then the, the full sack, it was Garrett just pushing him out of forcing Bridgewater out of bounds, I think. It's like probably I don't like even the know least, what it was, yeah. 
it was a scramble that okay. Bridgewater walked, went out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. It's like the least like satisfying sack that you could ever have. But Still no, counts. Cl- Clowney's been incredible when he's when he's been on the field. And yep. like knock on wood, we need that guy to to be on the field and I mean legitimately just havoc. Legitimately that could have that very well was probably the difference in the Chargers game, having no yep. Jadavian Clowney. I mean, there was a couple plays in that game where they the Chargers really needed to convert a third down and um you saw them like scramble at the last minute and run for it and like there has just not been that sort of room for quarterbacks to just scramble late whenever Clowney and Garrett have both been on the field. That just yeah. has not been the case. Also, let it be known as, as far as comparing to other NFL teams and other players, um, Nick Chubb is still number four in rushing yards after missing two straight weeks um, in that is <laughs> total great. rushing yards. Speaking of running, I was, I was curious – to see what uh, the second level of our defense was going to look like this week without JOK. Because we hadn't, like, JOK is like the single playmaker that we've seen from the linebacking core thus far this season. And I thought Anthony Walker showed up in a couple plays. And Mac Wilson stopped a couple runs. Like, I got, I saw him in there plugging a couple runs. It wasn't a phenomenal performance, but. The Broncos have been able to run the ball fairly well this year, and that was not the case we against a, the Browns. I, I was con- I was concerned about that going into this game without JOK in particular, um, and it didn't end up being a concern. I mean, like in that first half, the defense just stonewalled them. I mean, they, they didn't do a darn thing. Didn't the they entire have higher first? Didn't half. they have seventeen plays in the first half? They got just it was they were an absolute brick wall. It was unbelievable. It was it was great, and I think it was the first time all season that first drive on third down. I don't know if you remember. There was a pass over the middle. I think it was to Noah Fant, and I think it was Anthony Walker made the. Yeah, tackle. we just tackled him short. He tackled him. Short. I feel like that's the first time we've tackled someone short of the third of the like of the line, line to gain, gain yeah. all season. Like every other time this entire season, that guy has made the play and just stretched barely over the line, and it's been converted. It felt like I didn't even know what to do with myself yeah, whenever the, I saw them stop them. The, like the a difference yard short. in this game and where it came from, I'm not sure, but we were able to get the Broncos off the field on third down. We've, in, we've in been playing. We've been playing first and second down great all season, and we have just been league worst on third. And down that was and, and what field. was actually when I watched it again, and it makes sense based on how the points were scored, but like that was absolutely true in the first half. And it wasn't necessarily true in the second half. Um, I, Denver came out with like a very different game plan. On they were going like, in the second like half. single read quick throw. They were throwing a lot of screen passes. They were doing a bunch of rollouts. They were kind of beating us in our own game to a lot of, to a large extent. And they were just dinking and dunking it all the way down the field, which I think we were probably okay with given that we had a lead and we knew we could move the ball. Um, and then, you know, they ended up punching it in the end zone, those, on those two, um, two drives that they had, but all in all, I'm super impressed with the defense. I thought they played a really solid game in particular. We haven't mentioned him yet, but Denzel did get hurt, but I thought he played a great game. I thought greedy Williams played a great game and Greg Newsom really popped on a handful of plays. I am so pumped about that kid. That dude's good. He's a very good football player. He's very good. We are drafting so well. I'm just so excited for every single draft that we have, and I'm not worried about the salary cap at all because I just want to 
load with more. I just want more players that are drafted by this front office. That, I mean, we, we might be approaching a, a territory where our roster is such that we start trading away like really good players for future draft capital. It's a in, very in interesting seasons. And like, I mean, like you could see a scenario where like Denzel Ward gets moved in the off season for draft capital. Yeah. If we oh, don't think we're going to a really interesting, it's a really interesting. And I mentioned those three corners, but also Troy Hill continues to like at the line of scrimmage, make plays in the flat. I like that, that dude like, a lot. It <laughs> is just, so just, like, fun. Messes to, things up to watch him just like attack and make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. And, and John Johnson had a great game. He did. He got his first. Got that interception. Got that first int. He made an made early tackle at the early. line of scrimmage. Yeah. I felt like they moved him around a little bit more than they maybe have in the past. He's kind of been. I saw a stat. Maybe it was probably before this game. He hasn't played in the box. In the box as much. Yeah. yeah. I saw that same thing. I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but it was like they weren't utilizing him anywhere near in a variety of ways like the Rams have done in the last couple of years. And so I think that probably benefited him. I definitely saw him closer to the line of scrimmage a little bit this week. Yeah, it was great. And now uh, A.J. Green's going to be back. He's returning to practice. Always good to have that cornerback depth. Um, it's fantastic. Can't, can't say that we really missed him, but... No, didn't. Nice, nice but, to have him back. Yeah, nice to have him back. Welcome um, back, A.J. And, uh, yeah, anything else you guys want to say about the defense before moving on to the Steelers? The only other, like, big picture thing that stuck out to me about this game is how there was no explosive place. It was just kind of like a boring like football game upon rewatch. But and, is it but isn't that the product of the defense? Like the personnel on the defenses. Like that's classic Fangio. Put the put the top yeah. on, right? And and let you kind of ding and dunk underneath and then we'll stop you when you get to the red zone. I think you're probably right. And so they're that's what they're trying to do. We'll gladly take that with Case Keenum. Like Case Keenum's not going to send anybody over He's the top, you know. Even try so, something. So it works. Um, so yeah, no, it was. It, it kind of made for an objective perspective a boring football game because there weren't these big like splashy plays. But and then the other thing is, like to that extent, there was all these long drives. The third quarter was the entirety of two drives. The Broncos got the ball, they pieced together a nice long drive, scored a touchdown, and the Browns got the ball, and they followed it up with something that looked pretty similar. Ended in a touchdown, and I mean, that was that was a huge call in this game. The You know, Stefanski has had plenty, has received plenty of ridicule for the number of fourth downs that he's gone for, which is leads to the NFL at this point, and we have not converted a majority of them but he did go for a fourth down on that touchdown drive at near the end of the third quarter and we executed it it ended yeah. up in a touchdown one play later and that was the difference in the game was that touchdown after going forward on the fourth down well so that's been the difference so many times this year we i mean we've stayed aggressive and i think we were 40 percent at converting fourth and short this season which yeah. is probably 25% lower than you would hope it would be, you know? Um, 
and that's hurt us in some of these games. And a lot of these games have been close, and that's been the difference. And this was one of those games where like it's it's not going to stay at forty percent. Like you have to trust that you're going to execute and be able to do it. Yeah. Another thing that I think is important to talk about in this game is we mentioned it earlier. There was we closed the game out with that. We got the ball with five minutes, and we ran out the rest of the clock, which that's kind of incredible. Like over five minutes left, and we just ran the clock out. Like the other team didn't have a choice. They just like had to take it. It's fun when you and can do that, that was the like end of the yeah. game. Like that is pretty fun. I want to sit and kind of like rest in that for a little bit and like celebrate that. At the end of that, if you remember, there was a third and two situation. They called a uh, uh, illegal motion penalty on David and Joku because he was like moving forward yep. at the time of the snap. So it was third and two. We executed the run and it, we converted the first down, but it got called back. So we were at third and seven. And then we converted the third and seven. We got like seven and a half yards on a Jernus Johnson run, and the game was over. That was the end of the game. Yep. Was on that run. Third and seven is the exact same down and distance we were at in the Chargers game when Kevin Stefanski called a run against, and Kareem Hunt like ran into the line of scrimmage and like didn't get anywhere, and everyone was up in arms. So, like, the outcome of these sort of calls, like, affects the way we think about them. And I want Browns fans to just acknowledge the fact that we just won a game on a third and seven run that we executed, which is really not that different from the situation in the Chargers game. There were different sides of the field. I I will give you that. But one of my pet peeves about NFL analysis is how wired we are to the like outcome versus the the process. And this was a situation where we called the run and it probably was the right call and whether we got it or not. And we did execute it and it salted the game away. And you know, the Browns, but it was an entirely different game situation. Not really. We were up in both situations late in the fourth quarter. In the chargers game, they were scoring on every opportunity where they had the ball and like, and like they were tearing through our defense like tissue paper, and like we could not stop them. Worth crap. That I mean, that is the difference. I'm I'm I tend to be with Mark here because like it it is a very different situation. What I do love about it though is that Stefanski like took Still like the took flack and rightly so for running the ball on third and seven in that Chargers situation, and yet. When we're in a reasonably similar situation late in the game, like when the circumstances warranted running the ball, because we were running the ball right down their freaking throat, the whole he, game. he wasn't afraid to run the ball. And I mean, maybe Darnus Johnson in a different universe gets stopped there, and it's like, oh, see, yeah. fans can run on third and seven again. And then we punt you know? the ball to them and pin them with no, the ten bre- yard line. Well, we, no, we, we were in field goal range, so, so we probably would have gone gone for it or. But that would Whatever, have only put us up six points. And so it really wasn't like a like a obvious yeah. choice. I mean, because you kick a field goal, then you give them the ball with you know a minute and a half left or two minutes left, and like they've got a chance to yeah. go win the game. No, but and, what I love is that Stefanski wasn't afraid to like go back to the same call if it's the right call and didn't let like yeah. the previous week kind of affect his mindset and play calling. Yep, I completely agree. In a negative I just way. felt like it, it bears – attention because when it's successful nobody talks about it and when it's and when it fails everybody talks about it and so i want to shine light on those situations whenever they they come come to bear and you have a platform to do that michael here we are um 
All right, going into week eight, Cleveland Browns are the only team in the NFL that has not faced a divisional opponent. We were about to do so. Is that true? Yep. Have you have you sensed any sort of shift in the national narrative relative to the Browns in the last week or two? Uh, I think it's just because Baker Mayfield wasn't our quarterback, so they weren't so aggressive attacking us. Uh, no. I am so pleased with the fact that the Bengals won against the Ravens and everyone thinks the Bengals are just the like hot new thing and no one's talking about the Browns and it's all this Bengals talk. It, it, it's Bengals and Ravens. It pleases yeah. me to a significant degree. I, I just I, I kind of like the way it's shaping up. The Browns are entering the easiest stretch of our schedule, I would say, these next four games. Against the Steelers, Bengals. The Steelers, Bengals, New England, Lions, Lions, and Patriots, and Patriots. Yeah, not I think, in that order, but yeah, yeah. I, those are the four teams we're playing in the next four weeks, and I think it's the easiest stretch. We are banged up. There's like no doubt about it. But coming, the great coming news off is the mini buy. The mini buy. We got the mini buy to get a little healthier. We also don't have long term injuries. We don't have a lot of players that are out for the year. We have a lot of players that are likely to be back by the end of the year. That's a completely different situation than if you've got a bunch of guys that are lost for the season. And we're entering this smoother stretch. No one's talking about us. Everyone's got attention on other guys. We just have a window to just like keep getting better. I saw us get better in this game where we closed out a game. We got the ball with five minutes left, and we did do what we needed to do on offense. I feel like we're gaining confidence. And we're getting guys healthier back. I just like the script that's playing out. As the season, as the schedule gets tougher at the end, we're likely to get some of these key players back and healthy. Um, I I am super pleased with the overall, like how it's all playing out over the course of the season. I'm very. The Bengals win over the Ravens was very impressive. Yep. I need Go to, Bengals. I need to see them do it multiple times because like the other teams they've beat have not been impressive and they lost to the bears and the season. ravens have like, been in close games like their schedule's great but they've been like pulling out close games yeah, all season they've been like like it's not walking on eggshells like living by the barely beat the colts barely beat the lions they shouldn't have beat the lions yeah, yeah. so it's it's all gonna be the really... lions are arguably the worst team in the nfl they arguably are, they are the worst team. <laughs> i mean by schedule by record they are the worst team in the nfl um so i'm so excited for this stretch of games. The the Steelers and Bengals the next two weeks, I I could not be more thrilled that Big Ben is still the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers and we get to play him. I was like week two, week three of this season, I was so worried that he wasn't going to be still be there. And Jadavion and Miles are ready to go. Oh my god! Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Too. I cannot wait. I'm excited. All right, do you guys think uh, Baker plays or Case plays? I actually don't have a take on that one way or the other right now. I was asked this today, I think by our father, and I was like, I haven't thought about it. Because I, 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 part of me doesn't care. Like, I want, if there's a, a benefit to Baker sitting to get healthier, great. Sure. Do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what we're, like, aiming for, like, <laughs> when you're going to be ready. Because, I mean, this labrum thing, like, it needs surgery, so you're not – He's not having the surgery right now. No. Nope. So, I mean, if you need an extra week to to get stronger and more stable, great. Um, he didn't practice today. So, I if I had to put money on it right now, I would probably put money on Keenum playing. But I 
don't really. I mean, honestly, my take is that I want whichever guy can be the most well prepared. And if Baker's not practicing like tomorrow on Tuesday, I think I'd rather go with Keenum. Just roll with it. Roll with the guy that's going to get the reps with the guys that are going to be in there and playing. Like, I don't know if I want a cold Baker going in to play the game. I don't. A cold Baker versus a prepared Keenum. Like, I think I would lean towards a prepared Keenum. And that's my take. All right, what are we? What are going to be the keys against the Steelers to to pull out the victory? Obviously, they they bring a ton of pressure on the defense. Um, getting Conklin back will be super important if he can be having a fully healthy offensive line. But what else? What are what are the key matchups? Honestly, we just I mean, like in our back seven, we just need to play tight, aggressive, sound coverage and just trust our front four to to make plays. Right, because Big Ben's gonna want to get the ball out quick, get yep. it out, get it out fast. Whether it's to the running back or those wide receivers, that so Najee Harris pass. We, we don't need to bring pressure. Like he's gonna get it out regardless. So so let Miles and Clowney kind of create that sense of pressure, and then be there to make a play on the ball or make a tackle like immediately. They we will not lose to the Steelers if they're dink and dunk us down the field. Like it just—it's not an efficient way to play football. They're not set up to do that. I actually think the Steelers are a better team without Juju Smith-Schuster, having Chase Claypool in there every single in that slot down in that in that slot role and playing every single down is not something that I'm looking forward I'm to. I'm not sure Juju's that good. I know, me neither. I'm not gonna argue against that. Yeah. So I'm a little bit bummed about that, but I think we'll be able to run the ball really well. Um. And I think Keenan will be able to get the ball out fast enough that we can avoid this pressure and that Stefanski will be able to scheme up against it. Um, I just want Wyatt Teller to just beat the crap out of TJ Watt. And I want Miles Garrett. That would be really fun. Just like a couple pulls. I really want want a significant lead so that Ben has to hold on to the ball in the second half and then just just gets blasted. Push the ball down the field. Tries to push the ball, but he won't. Like even in like fourth and ten situations, he dumps it off to the running back. Like he doesn't. He doesn't care about game script. He's just gonna do what. I there's like not a single situation that I pine for more than for Miles Garrett to have like a a career shot, like a career sack game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Miles Garrett was drafted, and within moments of being drafted, he he was talking about how he couldn't wait to sack Ben Roethlisberger. And then the Mason Rudolph thing happened, and it's just Miles Garrett versus Pittsburgh. And I, it's just what I want to see. It's just so unlikely to happen because of the way that Pittsburgh plays offense. And I still want to see I, it. I, I want it to happen so badly. <laughs> I want to see it, too. <laughs> I want to see a bunch of... Uh, I want to see a bunch of Lamar Jackson sacks. I want to see a bunch of Big Ben sacks. Joe Burrow's getting in there. Uh, I want to see... The Bengals have overstayed their welcome, in my mind, as far as cheering for the Bengals. They can't be leading the division for much longer and still have my affections. Um, But hopefully we can pull it out and move on to 5-3, and being a favorable script going into... The Bengals game. Um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your attention. Um, and we look forward to seeing you next week after a big dub against a division rival. Keep the Steelers at the bottom. Uh, go Browns. Go Browns.
Thank you.